We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. In Saturday's uh, NFPC main event, League Number One, there were a lot of us that have podcasts, guys that are in the fantasy sports industry. Uh, four of them are here today. Myself, uh, we've got uh, Rudy Gamble from Rasball, we've got Brock Nelson, uh, and Maddie Davis from Faith and Noise. We also had Batflip Crazy, but he's Toby's out learning how to uh, surf in Costa Rica, could not join us right now. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Rudy Gamble from Rasball, Brock Nelson from Faith the Noise, and Maddie Davis from Faith the Noise. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. I uh, had fun seeing you in Vegas doing the live uh, live main event. Uh, fun might not be the right. Well, it was fun. It was, it's always fun to do a fantasy baseball draft, but it was a hard draft too. So, uh, you know, see Rudy walking up to our table. I knew he was in town for the draft, but. Yeah, I, great. No, I don't think any of us realized it right away that Rudy was in our league because Rudy has a real name. Rudy Gamble is not his name. We won't disclose it because we want to main, let him maintain his advantage. But he also had a partner in his partner. It's Lindy Hinkleman is yeah. my real name. Phil <laughs> Dusso. Uh, yeah. Casey Cha. No, you can't pass for Casey Cha. Can't I did him. dig the uh the high uh the Heisenberg look that Lindy had going this week that weekend. It was it was a good look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, all, and your, your partner, uh, Errol Thompson is listed as like the primary owner. So I was like, okay, Thompson, whatever. Okay, fine. Hey, no, it's Rudy crap. Another good player. <laughs> oh, not that Errol isn't a good player, but I don't know him. I, I know Rudy don't like that. Uh, so you guys, uh, you know, you'll go ahead and tell the story. You didn't even realize it during the draft. To- totally yeah. did not realize it. You know, I saw the Rasball shirt, you know, I thought, oh, I wonder if he knows gray, you know, what a fanboy. <laughs> And then, you know, and I, you know, Rudy, I can't remember. I'd seen like a picture on Twitter at one point or another. Of course, we'd never met. Um, I met a lot of people this weekend that I'd never met before, which is uh, always exciting. But, you know, just kind of um, didn't even think about it. And then Maddie and I were um, out at dinner. Um, what was that place called? Bardo. Bardo. I don't know. It was in some fancy hotel that I couldn't find it. I walked around for hours. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, we were kind of sitting at dinner. I can't remember what Matt said. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it just dawned on me. I just stopped eating all of a sudden. I turned and I looked at him. I was like, dude, that was Rudy. He was sitting right next. Oh, no. Rudy wrote something on Twitter that clued me in. I was like, 
Maddie, that was him sitting right next to you. Oh, it totally. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Uh, I believe we were two picks away from each other. So we sat pretty much in the same corner and I had zero clue until uh, after the weekend. And then I believe on Monday, this, this Monday, I, I messaged Rudy and uh, apologized for acting like a blowhard that I, uh, had no clue who he was or anything like that. So yeah, good time. The best part, the best part of this bit is I was at a main event with Maddie last year. Uh, It's like a 13 month con. Um, That's beautiful. And the, and the thing was like, so I met John. So I was at the, uh, the Friday night party, you know, not greeting people by like my, you know, and I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell you, you were in my league. Yeah, I talked to you, Jeff, and I didn't tell yep. you, but I talked to John Possum for like 20, 20 minutes. And then just like, hey, when I got to the draft thing, it's like, I don't need to be giving anyone any extra info. Now, now the, the ruse is gone. Well, it's on this table uh, and you know, face and name to face now it's true. a little bit. But, That's right. Uh, next year, I'll mow. next year, Maddie and Brock will remember you. Um, so there is that. So we got I'm just going to tackle you when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the whole notion of us being quasi public figures. Come on. It's our, our small little niche of the world. Uh, everyone knows our stuff is out there, right? Um, does, how do you feel like that affects you when you're drafting? Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily. I like to keep an open book, to be honest with you. So when I'm writing something, uh, I I do keep everything NFBC centric and geared towards the drafts that I'm in. uh, So I have a better grasp on what I'm talking about or writing about. And then when it comes to the podcast, uh, I I keep it the same way. If we're talking about a main event or an online championship draft or whatever it may be, I'm going to be rather honest and I'm just going to hope that I'm able to execute when the the draft comes. Because I I like to give the listeners, followers, readers, um, you know, my my content that I'm providing or if they're paying for it at FTN Fantasy. So um, I keep it 100, as the cool kids say. I've never (laughs) been a cool kid, so I've never used that phrase. But, uh, you know, but no. Um, Brock, how about you? I I was definitely... um... Uh, I was kind of excited, you know, pu- public figure, th- those are your words. I'll just, I'll kind of leave that there. <laughs> but I was, um, I did feel pretty cool when, uh, you know, I bumped into Toby before the draft and um, we chatted for a second and he kind of made a joke. He was like, and I'm going to go draft pitching early and, and you're going to go hard on the hitters early. And he kind of knew that about me. So I did kind of feel like a public figure for a second there because uh, Toby knew that about me. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, the, the effect, I, I don't really see much of an effect on it. I mean, there's like real zoom out kind of, um, overarching ideas that I feel like I, I might know about some of you guys, um, you know, such as Toby going hard on uh, pitching or JT real Muto earlier. But other than that, you, you kind of got to stick to your draft, you know? Yeah. I just feel it's like a cost of doing business Yeah, for what we do. And, um, so I just try not to think about it, but I feel particularly in this format, everyone's got their lane and they've got their plan. Um, so it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like you could pretty much before like each round be like, Hey, these are three guys in my queue. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> I'd agree in the main. I think when I do the online championship, it's a little different. Uh, well, you, cause you're, are you doing like beat Jeff leagues? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's well, that's like, yeah, you're getting people that actually like, yeah, that 
that is different. There's people yeah. that, you know, yeah, so that, that those are frustrating um, when like multiple people are using my draft room and using my rankings. Um, I, yeah. So uh, for draft champions, at least like I do one or two a year where I, I, uh, I go incognito. Yeah. Or at least go into a rando room instead of like people that actually like instead of a beat Rudy Gamble draft. Yep. Yeah. 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 Because they've been having a lot of success at it the last year or two. So it's like (laughs) beating you with your own projections. You know, yeah, we've got sharp readers. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Uh, That means that your projections are working though, right? Uh, So you got to look at it from that standpoint. Um, Because I I definitely think that definitely happens in the beat leagues for sure. Uh, And I'll get someone like, yeah, well, and and like, come on, you you know, you guys are cruel, like three picks in a row, like, well, I just use your stuff. You know, like, okay, fine. That's fine. I, I get it. Um, let's talk draft order. Uh, Brock, you're down at the wheel. Did you want to be down at the wheel? Uh, no, I got last pick, and uh, spot number 15 was my last pick in uh, KDS. Did not oh, want no. that. I, you know, I didn't put a lot of thought into it this year. I, I couldn't really make a good decision there. In years past, it's been different. I think it was 2019. I had the wheel as my number one pick in KDS. Um, kind of different this year, though. I, I just I really want to get Trey Turner or Jose. I want to get some premium steals there. So I just kind of have earliest pick possible and uh, didn't work out. But I do feel um, pretty good about how I did um, getting Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. I, I think Mookie um, steals 20 bases again if the hip's healthy. I mean, he he, he really ought to. And uh, having two guys at the top of one of the better lineups in, in baseball, I felt pretty safe about, you know, 100 or 240 runs, um, things like that. I was um, – I was probably going to go uh, first round Woodruff. I know Woodruff really hadn't been going in the first round uh, much until these mains. Um, so I was hoping he would make it to me and I was going to do one early pitcher there. Um, but uh, Matty Wood took him at number 11. So um feel pretty good uh, going Mookie and Freddie, though. So, Matty, you got, I, I asked you this during the break. I'll, I'll ask you it now here, too. Two guys in the same draft from Fade the Noise, uh, FTN and did you know? I I know when I you know Scott Jensen and I asked Greg not to be in the same league. You know we do the podcast together. We talk all the time. You know he you know Brock just mentioned how you took Woodruff from him. I know it wasn't because of Brock's rankings rankings or anything, but is it is it an extra challenge to be in the same league with someone from your same company? Yeah, a little bit. I actually uh, asked uh, Greg and Tom and them uh, to not put me in one main event with Zach Vettencourt, actually, uh, and somebody that doesn't work at FTN. That's somebody that I share um, extensive details with auction values and projections. Um, mm-hmm. we, we go pretty deep together and we pair up and do a couple of main events together. And while Vlad and Brock and, and the crew, um, we discuss things, but, but like Rudy was saying in the main event, we kind of stay in our own lane and we're going to do what we what we've been doing since this winter um, in preparing for these moments. So um, it does make it a little bit difficult. I, in a lot of these main events, well, there was only three before this Saturday, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman were falling um, around where I was picking in uh, 20th overall in the second round. And I was hoping Mookie or Freddie would make it to me until I realized Brock was picking 15th. And I, <laughs> I, I pretty much damn well knew he was going to get both. And um, so then at that point, it was like, okay, would Devers be there? Would Luis Robert be there? Um, you know, one of those outfielders that we saw go right before Devers. And um, yeah, so I was left with the choice of Rafael Devers. 
Um, and I'm okay with that. The other option that I was looking at was Trevor's story, but I decided to take a, a bit safer of a floor and less stolen bases with Devers. Rudy, uh, you had a partner at the draft. I, I, I did too. Uh, your, your partner, Errol Thompson, is he a writer at Raswell? I don't know the name. Nope. Nope. He, he was just a, a reader who also played NFBC and we cut, he, uh, he uh, offered take me, you know, to partner a while back. So we've done, we've been doing it since uh, on and off for like six, seven years. Okay. But I think we hit a stride in 2019 um, and took, and went off the stride in 2020, just like we all did in real life. And then, uh, but 2019 and 2021, we've, we've been doing uh, quite well. Feels like, you know, what are those one break away from a, uh, a really big finish. How, when you have a partner like that, what tell us a little bit more about your draft prep when you're like talking through your picks? How do you go about planning things out? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of the strategist. Um, and then we just kind of go through and there's just certain players that uh, if one of us has a strong feeling towards, we'll tend to defer. Um, and then, uh, you know, on the inverse, if there's a guy that we really don't like, but mm-hmm. we tend to, like most good partners, we, I think we tend to agree more often than not, um, you know, so I think if uh, one of us really went off off script, like, you know, he was like, oh, I really want a reliever in the second round or something like that. Um, it would be tough, but no, this, this draft went about as smooth from a, you know, partner management standpoint as one could hope, nice. um, especially after he acquiesced with a uh, say a Suzuki in the 10th. There you go. Homeward yesterday, uh, getting hitting his stride. Uh, we'll talk specifics about everybody's uh, draft in a second, but first, a quick note from our friends at Fantrax. Are you looking for a new flat platform for your fantasy baseball league? Fantrax's free MLB Fantasy League Manager is the most customizable, easy-to-use, and feature-rich platform in the industry. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Fantrax offers Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, and Best Ball Leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes the process easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Sign up for free today and be entered to win Fantrax's MLB game day experience, which includes tickets to any MLB regular season game for your entire league and $1,000 towards travel and accommodations. All you have to do is host your fantasy baseball league on Fantrax to be entered. The more leagues you create, the more chances you have to win. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today. I'm here with uh, Brock Nelson, Matty Davis, and Rudy Gamble. Uh, we're talking about our NFBC main event league. Uh, Toby, Toby uh, Gavin, uh, Batflip Crazy was in this. Can't wait to make it today. Uh, but uh, he is, uh, you know, he drafted right next to me, and that was a big challenge. Knowing, you know, knowing, knowing, I knew, I knew Toby was going to go Garrett, Garrett Cole. We knew that going second. Uh, I, I talked to him the night before. He told me he was going to go Garrett Cole, like I needed him to tell me. But it was always nice to get the confirmation anyhow. Uh, so, at least I had an idea what I was going to do at pick three. I knew, well, I knew what was going to be available to me, you know, all the way up until like an hour before the draft, I was still debating Jose Ramirez versus Bichette versus Soto. I mean, I think you make a case for any of them, uh, but you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, after that, you don't know what the pick's going to be. And then you kind of have to zig, zig from there. Maddie, you said, yeah, we talked about how you started with Woodruff endeavors all along. Did you want to get that ACE in the first round? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I knew that DeGrom, Burns, and Cole were going to be going right before that. 
Um, and then it was a coin flip for me in regards to Bueller and Woodruff. Uh, the day prior in Las Vegas, though, I was in the $1,500 auction championship and bought Walker Bueller. So I figured I would just go with Woodruff on this one. Do you guys like to diversify your aces or do you like to uh, stack? I mean, how, how do you like to play when you play multiple leagues? Yeah, I like to diversify, especially because of the volatility at the position. There's a lot of uh, injuries that can occur with the starting pitcher. And I have learned um, royally from, I believe, the 2017 season. Um, I left three Vegas events with the same $40 or first round player. Um, and it was a big, massive bust, uh, and it cost me dearly. So uh, when doing a bunch of leagues, I'm in 20-plus leagues already in the NFBC, um, I like to switch things up. Yeah, for, for me, the way that I'm kind of going through things, um, especially like in those early rounds where Bueller, Woodruff, I don't think any of us have like a real strong stance like, you know, oh, Bueller by a mile. Um, I, I think it makes sense to kind of do that in different leagues where like the buy-in is kind of similar, um, kind of makes sense. I, that comes from like a DFS background, <clears throat> you know, maybe you're doing a three entry max tournament on DraftKings or whatever. And, um, it, you know, and, and you like both of the aces going that night kind of makes sense to, you know, use one of each in each league, kind of the same, uh, same idea there. So I think that makes sense to me and probably what I would have uh, done as well. Jeff, I must say, though, once we get later into drafts, um, that's when you're going to see my shares and exposure to a player increase because it's later and, and you're yeah. able to take those shots. So um, I, I certainly have more exposure to guys later on um, in drafts versus, you know, the first three rounds or so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and for that matter, just being able to have access to the player. I mean, let's face it, uh, we're, we're all beholden to draft order if you're in snake drafts. I don't have any Trey Turner because I haven't picked first yet once this year. Uh, not even in a, not even in a mock, not, not even once. Uh, so, so it goes, but uh, you know, that's the way it is. Rudy, you drafted ninth. Uh, do you like drafting in the middle? Was that a preferred spot for you? I think in this league, yes. Uh, it would depend. Every year is just kind of different for this year. Nine was fine. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have minded. Last year I had one, I had nine last year, I had nine and a one and nine last year was Trevor story. Uh, so hoping yeah. for a little better mm -hmm. out of uh, Kyle Tucker, but I think I had, I mean, you could probably look at that first eight and say that basically everyone had got who they wanted or not. I'm not, and I'm not saying I didn't get what I wanted, but it was a pretty chalk pick. I think for everyone that I don't think, you know, that, um, you know, maybe, Maybe seven and eight were in on Burns. It fell. Um, they right. couldn't have expected one of the first five. Um, I know we had a contingency of Burns fell that we would have taken him. Um, but then was on Tucker. Uh, Vlad Guerrero falling the 10 was not expected. Um, and it was yeah, a decision that I'll ne I don't think I'll ever be fully confident on that we stuck sure. with the plan on Tucker. Um, but a lot of that was because I had Alonzo penciled in in the fourth. And, you know, when I look and didn't, you know, like, I mean, so if someone said you should have gone Vlad there and then taken Buxton or O'Neal, both of which were not necessarily guaranteed to fall there. Um, but looking at the board, I think that's a totally valid note. Um, but uh, yeah, 
Tucker, Anderson, Ray, Alonzo were pretty much um, I had them written down or I don't use pen. So in a spreadsheet, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, on the plane ride, like that, 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 like from the nine side, that felt like um, pretty close to what could be expected. And knowing like in each of those things, you know, if Albies had a shot of falling, I thought there, you know, it would have been very tempting, probably too tempting if uh, Robert fell. Um, I figured Acuna wouldn't get past Maddie. Uh, so that he, uh, he wasn't a concern. It's interesting seeing the different builds just b- between the four of us here. Uh, three of us took closers in the second or third round. I took Hendricks at 228. Uh, Maddie, you took Classe at uh, 311. And Brock, you got Presley at, at 315. Rudy, on the other hand, didn't get a closer until the 11th round. And it turns out that might be a part closer. You could argue I didn't get a closer in the eleventh round either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was being yeah. You did. Yeah, get that's fair. I heard. I listened to you and Scott. <laughs> well, you got the you other got, day. Yeah, it's, but, and you threw in some other guys. You got Cole in the. You did it in volume in the last third of the draft. You got Sulzer, yes. Giles, Givens, Guerra, Deekman. Even maybe has a chance of getting some saves. Is that a way you like prefer to draft? It is. I mean, I think every year, um, you know, starting, yeah, I mean, I think Maddie and you might start a little earlier than me. So I'm kind of in that Jan and Feb where mm-hmm. I'm thinking through strategies. And this year it's clearly, I want starting pitching in volume because I just don't like last 10 rounds and fab. I'm not, pre- I don't think it's going to be a fun year if you want starting pitching. Um, so I want starting pitching, uh, in volume, particularly thinking SP4, SP5, I want to be kind of like the best in the room. And and then getting my speed and average early. Um, so you've got to give on something. Of course. And I'm willing to give. So it's I don't feel great about it. But, you know, it has worked in the past. Um, so the only guy that in the first 10 that had a shot would be if uh, would have been Taylor Rogers in the eighth. Which Brock I, took. Yeah, he took on the turn. I mean, I I was not reading the turns well. I mean, when you're at nine, that's a lot of that's 12 picks. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's one where it's like you pretty much look at most of the time and you're like, okay, I could have I took Stanton in the seventh. He's probably taken if I if I let him go, probably. I mean, I know 12 picks is a lot. Um so I think at some point I got better about reading the turn, but it, um, yeah, every once in a while it surprised me. I thought Chisholm might make it back to me in the sixth, um, and I did not think Rodon would make it back. I was I was surprised there, um, and I was right. I mean, six starters went uh, between my fifth and sixth, um, and that it just ends up being you know one of, in the preference shuffle. Right. That that's a round I wanted to shop in a lot. Uh, for for starters, and I for did sure. get a couple of them and five six uh, in that area. Brock, on the other hand, you didn't get your first starter until the six. Uh, kind of like me, similar in in the early build. Uh, I started five. You got it at six. Uh, you do did get Presley and Taylor Rogers in the uh, two pick two closers in the top ten rounds. Yeah, <clears throat> I pretty much go through all of draft season uh, adhering to kind of a plan similar to what Rudy was just explaining there for me saves as long as you get 60 of them i don't care if the whip isn't great i don't i don't care if it's 
60 strikeouts in 58 innings instead of 75 strikeouts in 50 innings. Um, you know, it for for me the the difference for me is you know drafting steals early um, can come with good batting average, can come with some home runs, and I think that's a huge difference. Uh, you know, getting your saves from um, a less talented re reliever just doesn't really hurt me. So I spend all uh, my DCs. I'm taking stabs on guys. Um, I'm probably going to be out in front in uh, home runs and RBIs and runs in, in all my DCs. And if I can just get those late saves to kind of pay off in one of those leagues, I'm going to be up there. Um, but when I got to many main event season for me, it, it kind of shifts. I don't know. This was my first live draft in Vegas. Um, I, I got a little bit of uh, cold feet there. I got I got scared. You know, I drafted Bobby Witt, something that I normally wouldn't do. I, I kind of tend to go for old and boring um, over like the hype rookies. And um, I bought in on them uh, this time and kind of the same thing with saves. I, I got a little uh, scared there. Uh, so I went out on a limb for me uh, and drafted Presley there. Um, and then, of course, like four hours later, got the report that uh, his velocity is down three or four miles an hour. So that was pretty great. But um, yeah. 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 I, meanwhile, Cody Bellinger just struck out again. He's just decided to change his oh. stance one more time. I got that one right after the draft. That was fun, too. But uh, I, I, no, I wouldn't you, sweat that Bellinger pick yet, just yet, Jeff. Yeah. I, I really wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd stay optimistic. Yeah, I, I I have enough exposure to him that I'm doing one more uh, main on Saturday that I will not walk away from that draft right. table with him. But, um, yeah, I'm not cutting him either. So, <laughs> you know, or anything <laughs> like that. Um, Maddie, so you got the one closer early, and we kind of were similar in that respect, get an early closer, then not get a second one for a while. I got one in round 15, at least. I attempted to get one in McGee. It looks so far so good there, but. Yeah, that was See. good news. That news broke well for you on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little lucky. Uh, but I've been all along McGee over Doval, at least. Um, I don't know about if I, you know, you can't really claim victory for a pick at 213. So it's, you know, if I really was that much of a seer, I would have taken him a lot earlier. But no, um, you didn't have to. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, you got to know your draft cost. Yeah. And to yeah. be honest, I took McGee at that same spot last year. So I yep. was full on. Uh, T McGee there, um, but uh, yeah, so that was a a good call. He he, I didn't I I I guess one of the things I think about is that I wasn't on, in on Duval. I thought he was anointed. Yeah. That was that was a lot of uh, helium. But when you do that, then you've got to be willing to go in on the opposite. Just yep. like I don't know many people on Team Roman Wick, right? Like you could be like ah, I'm mildly interested at the price. But no one's like all in on Wick. Um, okay, so we'll draft Givens. You know, yeah. I think uh, the Giants being a good team in a good park. Yeah, I thought the McGee, McGee, you know, it had good thinking behind it. And you're right. He had 30 saves in a sub one whip last year. Exactly. Yeah. Why was he vulnerable? He throws one pitch, basically. I think that's hey. the, the mentality. He's left-handed. I don't know. I'm left-handed, so I always get a little antsy when I get a lefty closer because I know they always get screwed because, oh, we need a lefty specialist. But he's not really that. He doesn't have the arsenal to be a lefty specialist. He's more just get guys out. He's a pitch specialist. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, one more note, uh, an advertising note from our friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting, exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. 
Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com/thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of ten dollars and receive a hundred percent deposit bonus up to one hundred dollars. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. All right, I'm Jeff Erickson here with Brock Nelson, Rudy Gamble, and Maddie Davis. All right, guys. Uh, what what I, I want to kind of hear like where were you getting a little antsy? Like where did you feel like this this was a tough because this is always a tough room, right? You know, it's a live draft. It, was there a point there that you were worried about getting hitting your spots, or or did you hit things as you wanted? Every moment, I felt <laughs> antsy. All of them, all the moments, antsy. That's that's exactly how I felt the whole time. Yeah, even starting oh. in the first in the fir- your first turn, huh? You were already oh, feeling. Oh man, it, it was nerve-wracking i mean just everybody that's in the room and then the setting everything was different um so uh it was it was something but yeah basically just all of it i I felt like i was actually in cruise control to be honest with you until the fifth round uh when team nine took barrios and team 10 took rogers i was going to be very very excited to obtain one of them to pair with brandon woodward brandon Mm -hmm. woodruff and emmanuel classe um, and then I screwed up. That was my, my biggest mistake um, uh, to start the draft right there was taking Brandon Lau ahead of, let's say, Logan Webb or Frankie Montas, um, because then it forced me in the sixth round to take Blake Snell. And I was also comparing or, you know, um, contemplating Carlos Rodon and Alec Manoa. Uh, if I did it again, I probably would take Manoa. Um, but I have a, have a mixture of all of those pitchers. So I, I guess I'm going to try and stay optimistic with Snell, but I, I wouldn't be in this position if I would have just went with Montas or Webb in the fifth round instead of, instead of having that, I, I don't know what it is with Brandon Lau and I, but uh, I can't quit him and uh, we just gravitate towards each other. So um, I stayed on brand there, I guess. Yeah. The funny thing, I mean, like, You've both noted the fifth and sixth, or Jeff, you noted the fifth, and even Brock, you had noted the fifth and sixth with the wit pick surprised you a bit, surprised yourself, uh, which is always fun. And yeah, for me, that (laughs) was our, so like the first four was cruise control. We're getting to the fifth pick. I've got Chisholm penciled in, and you could argue with recent news or lineups that maybe dodged a bullet there, but that was the speed anchor. And, um, I got this like sixth sense. I'm like, I don't like the way pitching's going. I had Manoa penciled in in the sixth, which would have worked out. Um, was thinking Barrios or Rodon in the fifth, um, and just decide. You know, this is everyone. the The, the way the pitching board is, I don't. Uh, let me go Barrios. Um, you could see a ton, a ton of pitching went off the board, and then with the sixth pick, it was just the value on Rodon was too high. Um, you know, uh, Chisholm goes. I think I might have taken Chisholm. Wit would have been interesting. India, it, w- it was between India and Rodon at the very end. Cause, um, but that put us a little, that, that, that added the discomfort of I didn't feel great about our speed. The Tucker Anderson start gives us the foundation. Um, Torres is not a guy I'm in on. Um, and even like O'Neill Cruz, who I'm actually huge on. Um, I think that pick was all tied to the fifth and sixth picks. I think if if I have, I'm not drafting Chisholm and Cruz 
in this. Yeah. So if you drafted Chisholm right. and Cruz is off the board, I'm not touching Glaber Torres. Um, so, um, but I'm probably having to go pitcher heavier around there. And when I looked at the, you know, when the ninth came around and I saw guys like Pablo Lopez going nine one, I was like, I'm feeling really good now. Yeah, because I, I was... after securing four pitchers in the first eight. Yeah, you you guys, Rudy, um, you and Errol with Jose Barrios and Carlos Rodon, and then Jeff, you with Joe Musgrove and Alec Manoa. Those are my two favorite pairings when looking at the fifth and sixth round. And then uh, to pat your back again, Rudy, leaving the sixth round with three SPs, and you still have with Tucker and Anderson leaving the first six rounds. You're, I would say, you're still on par with speed there, and then you're not having to chase starting pitching, which you'll notice every league starts to do in those, those rounds shortly after yeah. that. Yep. Um, and, and there's spots to there's, there's spots, which you did take uh, to get your speed later. And I would much prefer to be somewhat chasing speed at that point versus right. trying to chase arms because you can just totally hit some landmines. Yeah. It, it, it was a tough room. Like I, I think that the, my norm is there, the top aces are going to move up, but you're going to have your, your, but it's not going to move up throughout the draft. And I think it, I would say like it, all the guys that I would like in the top 16 rounds all moved up a little bit. Guys I, I like in the that. 11th, went in the ninth, that kind of inflation. Uh, Kikuchi was, you know, we all have like one guy that we like that we're a little bit, you know, unique on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kikuchi was one in the 14th. But um, even that, I was probably, you know, like Cobb and Desclafani went in the 14th. Like those guys a lot maybe a, a round or two later, but you know, probably if I did this draft again, I probably would have pivot to, well, I already had Rodon, but I still might pivot. It's, I guess the, it's the, this insane need to always diversify and feel like I uh, not get caught on the wrong side of a coin flip. Well, the funny thing is I, I was forced to diversify. I love a lot of pitchers in that 200 to 300 range and I just wasn't getting them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Cobb, Desclafani, uh, Ober, all in the same round. Joe Ryan's another guy I yeah. like. I like Kikuchi a lot. Um, give me all the Jays. I well, almost all the Jays. Um, I I've been on a lot of them, and I just wasn't getting them. You know, later on, John Gray's another guy I get offering, and you know, Maddie took him. I like McKenzie a lot too. It, yeah, it's I and mean, that's the thing. It's like all my guys aren't my guys. They're just they're. they're community property guys and unfortunately uh, you get to you get a, a league with sharps all of a sudden they're looking at the same stats you are they're looking at the same reasons the same velocity measures that you are too um so you, it's it's great to say that they're yours but they're really not not until you say their name first yep exactly and that you have to say it quicker and sooner um, and, they, and it has to be your turn yeah, darn it. That's so unfair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like so, when I tried to take Patrick Sandoval, uh, what, like 16 picks after he was mentioned from John Posma? Yeah. yeah. That, that'll be my next thing. Ne ne next year, if people know who I am, I'll just pretend it's an auction for like some of the first round. And... <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, John Posma's in our draft. Hall of Famer. Fun speech at the beginning of the draft. Uh, really good. Yeah, the speech yeah. was fun. Yeah. I was I was cracking up. It was good. It was clever. Uh, and uh, he he got a lot of good players uh, too. I I thought you know every time he mentioned a name, like oh, man, there's another one that I thought I may be able to get again later. Now I know I can't get it later. Um, I, I expect my next draft on Saturday to be better, but there'll be other news that'll change things. So you never know. 
Um, but yeah, I, I felt like I, I was chasing speed the whole time. And, you know, I make some decisions here and there. Like I'm, I'm the idiot that let Toby get Buxton at uh, four, four fourteen. ever after the draft. How could you let Toby do that? I like Will Smith a lot too. Um, I'm big. I, I'm big on getting either Smith or real Muto in the fourth. Like if, if it's available to me, none of you guys did the early catcher thing. Is that a, des- by design, is that your normal draft strategy? How do you guys feel about early catchers? I don't do it. Okay. That <laughs> I was never, easy. Yeah. I, I, ne- I never really have Jeff. Um, and I've succeeded with it before. Um, obviously, or I wouldn't be here today. Um, it, it's, it's just the draft capital, the, uh, the, the amount of injury risk that comes with the position, one foul mm-hmm. pitch that hits off a wrist. And it's, you know, you've got JT Romuto's out with a broken wrist, knock on wood. Um, it, it's just, it, it's just too scary for me. A lot of those guys outside of Riamuto aren't stealing bases. Most of them besides like Will Smith and Sal Perez are, you know, below average and batting average. The counting stats might not be there because of the lack of speed and where they hit in the order. So there's just a lot of components for me when, when weighing what else is available at those moments in drafts where they're simply too rich for me. And I would just rather try and pop. Um, and get lucky on like uh, I always use the example of the Jan Gomes, Devin Mesoraco here, uh, having both of those guys way, you know, 20th plus rounds, uh, you know, in the draft and, and hitting on those uh, because we see it. We see it um, each and every year that some of these catchers that go later will pop. They will get more playing time, um, you know, the home run to fly ball rate and some of those, you know, a little bit of luck included. Uh, and you're going to get a profitable uh, player at much later in the draft. Uh, so it's a draft capital thing for me. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, I, I had a, I would have considered Varsho in the seventh because he's not going to, because he's going to get uh, to play in the outfield, maybe some right. DH. Um, so I liked Varsho there, but knew that was unlikely. Um, and it was a bit of a departure. I, I was expecting maybe a 15th round catcher, but uh, Tyler Stevenson, I think there was a, a odd thing where Stevenson and Ruiz fell maybe like two rounds i want to say below adp um yeah. i noticed that on Ruiz. yeah 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 and um so th- and stevenson in particular kind of intrigued me um just because he's already gotten in like a year's worth of reps so i don't have to worry about kind of the rookie questions and it, it was just it it you know so grabbing him in the 13th that was by far the most surprising guy in my top 18 just about everyone else i would have well and glaber torres those would have been the and I, and if you told me glaber torres like oh yeah didn't get varsho or chisholm but like i would have never guessed stevenson um and yeah I, I, i'm actually a little surprised as a reds fan that you didn't i guess uh having will smith you didn't want to go double catcher or you right. just had other things to deal with Exactly. That's and when I when you get the early catcher, you really can't get a second one early. I mean, then you're talking about draft capital. I I think there's a qualitative difference between Smith and, and Riomito over the, the rest of the body of catchers in terms of what they do and in terms of plate appearances too. I think they're getting a lot more. That's all. So yeah, I, I made that decision. It did cost me though, and you know, it cost me speed. That was the you know I'm when you're getting an early catcher and less is Riomito, even Riomito, you're Varsha. giving up something else. Yeah, or Varsho, you're giving up something else, whether yeah. it's saves or a starter or speed. And in my case, it was speed. Um, Joey says that uh, one of the drafts, there was a guy who went double barrel catcher at the wheel, turns two, three. Uh, yeah, I, I would not do that. 
Do not recommend that, Joey. Yeah, no. I don't know. You know, in the past, I've never really um, spent on catcher. For me, it's been go past the 20th round and try and get 400 plate appearances. You know, I have had tons of Yadier Molina over the years. He just, you know, every year he he gets the volume, um, you know, 60, 70 runs, you know, 60 or 70 RBIs from like the 20th round or something like that. And that's just totally fine with me. Um, but I will um, say that taking one of those earlier catchers, the two that you mentioned, Jeff, uh, was at least a consideration of mine this year with the DH for the National League. I think Will Smith um, is going to get an extra few plate appearances out of that if Real Muto's healthy. Same thing for him. And I think that does make a difference. And then the two catchers that you mentioned, too, those are National League guys. Um, I, I, I like the chance the National League guys, I think they'll be – um, they have been a little bit underpriced this year, and this is the one year that I was at least considering some of those earlier catchers. I, I have a couple for the first time. I've just never gone early on catcher, though. But For the people not seeing the draft board, uh, the two catchers that I obtained were in round 24, Joey Barr, and round 29, Jorge Alfaro. So shake the dice and roll them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we almost left the room with it. Yeah, we have Jan Gomes as a second. Uh, yeah, that basically is like a placeholder. Like, yeah. like he's like a, he's one of those like seat fillers. You just sit there for a bit, Yana. Let me, eh, you, yeah. you might be replaced. Um, but yeah, I've had this. Uh, yeah, but I, I'll. Te- I'm not afraid to wait on uh, even two catchers like you did. I think my my, my big guy was uh, Christian Vasquez in 2019. I think I got him in the first Fab even in one league, and then yeah. that was the one year where he actually like he ran put together yeah, some power. Run. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he led the Red Sox in stolen bases last year, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he does. He does have that sneaky like five to seven stolen base speed. Yeah, I do I'm end up to get that Vasquez. from Alfaro. I, yeah, I've Vasquez often gotten nice. Vasquez in the past uh, this year. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I like where he typically goes. The other part of that equation, you know, everyone was coming to Toby. How did it? How did you get Buxton? How did that go? How did how that? Well, we all <laughs> passed on Buxton. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't just me. The whole room passed. I mean, he was he has a third-round ADP, ADP price, and he got went at pick 59 in our draft. That was the max pick. Why, you know, I'll be honest. I, wasn't even, I didn't even think about taking him. I made yeah. us so fixated on Will Smith, and I knew – I'm like, I'm sweating. Okay, I get my ace in the fifth round because I'm not – I don't want to get my first starter at pick 87. So, please, Musgrove, come back to me. I wasn't even looking at, uh, at Bucks, and that it's kind of an oversight for me. Uh, was it a purple purposeful pass for you guys? I, you, know, oh, you, 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 met, yeah, exactly. You mentioned on the pod, I think on, uh, on Monday with Scott and you guys kind of talked about just, um, how far he was falling. And I didn't know he had fallen that far relative to the other mains until you mentioned it on that pod during yeah. the, during the draft. I didn't even, you know, kind of like you just wasn't quite on my radar figure. He's going to go too early, um, you know, for, for my liking and, Slip right past me. Yeah, uh, I had my mindset similar to Rudy said he had penciled in uh, Pete Alonso in the fourth round. For me at pick 50 in the fourth round, it was Chris Bryant. And for whatever reason, I had already thought Buxton was just gone. That's just a total rookie mistake. Um, not that I would have just auto-picked and clicked Buxton over Bryant or anything like that. It would have probably taken me the full 60 seconds to figure out which one I would have went with. Um, but now knowing, you know, Devers and Buxton having a little bit more speed, that sounds a a little bit nicer there. Um, so yeah, I'll be comparing the two, uh, rather closely this year. Yeah. I, 
I, I don't know if I re- I mean, I had Alonzo, like I said, yeah, penciled in. If, uh, if maybe I had Vlad Guerrero, I would have had to really, but I think I still, I might've ended up with O'Neill over Buxton. I'll be honest. I'm not, uh, I think the, the value where Toby got him is good. I understand the upside. I don't think he's going to run that much. I'm not, I'm not like, it, it just seems silly for a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Like, why is he going for 25 stolen bases? Um, his, the power upside, the bat is great. That's why I, I'd like him. And you could see him as a guy who's going to give you 15 stolen bases. Um, but yeah, my head going into the draft was more on Chisholm because that's a guy I think has 30 plus stolen base upside. And if Buxton mm-hmm. does that, I mean, it feels, um, well, did he sign a long-term contract yet? Yes, <laughs> he did. Oh, yes, he did. then. Then you might as well go for it. Seven years, hundred million. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So maybe maybe he's got that. You know, like, but I, I could see him doing like, just getting the five hundred plate appearances, like, pa- past that barrier first, and then once he's got that under his belt, like next year, maybe is his. Yeah. Because I got to think these players are like, I'd like a thirty thirty season. Um, and now, I mean, like, I know Moncada just – was it Monk? Who, wait, who just said yeah. – oh, no, Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks yeah. He talking wants to about go 30-30. Yep. It, it's like, yeah, 30 games, 30, <laughs> yeah, 30 times games. on base. Um, but um, but I could totally see a, a – a, let's just say in the most nicest way, a freak like Buxton, an athletic just specimen, you know, thinking I got to get one of those. I'd like to have one, thir- say I'm a 30, 30 guy. That's an awesome club to be in. Yeah. I, I'd agree. I have, I have Buxton projected for 16 stolen bases, which is nine more than Bryant. So there you go. I don't know. Pick and choose what you want. I think Bryant's batting average floor is going to be a little bit higher this year in Colorado. And then one of the yeah. other things people talk about with these hitters that uh, hit in Coors Field, uh, similar to Noel and Arenado and Trevor Story, we'll use those two as the big examples is, but well, look what happens when they leave Coors Field. Uh, they have to acclimate and adapt hitting on the road uh, because of the decrease in altitude, et cetera. Uh, but the thing that's different with Chris Bryan is he didn't start in Coors Field. He hasn't played his career to begin in Coors Field. It's not like he's acclimating on the road outside of it, whereas he started his career in Wrigley Field, hitting in the NL Central, et cetera. So I don't think for him when he leaves to the other parks, obviously seeing the ball's a bit different at Coors, and he's going to be doing that uh, for half of his games. But I, I just don't think that the home road splits might be as extreme as they were for some of the other hitters in Colorado. Rudy turned into a robot. Yep. <laughs> he's on reverse. Yeah. He, he's got. It's, is that any better for Rudy? Now he, he's muted himself. <laughs> Rudy and Rewind was... Okay, is that better? There you are. Yes. You're back. Ooh, we got Rudy back. I ruined the now joke. Like Bryant's used to the altitude. He's like seven feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I've, I'm already like... I've already seen curveballs through the clouds. It ain't that hard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I, I like I'm, Brian Pick. I, I'm, thank you. I, I'm with you on it. And I obviously... Uh, obviously, because I got Grichik in the 15th. Which that was annoying. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I mean, good pick. But, uh, you know, uh, no, I I like the annoying part. 
I love, yeah. No, nothing better than tilting people like, God. Harrison Bader in the 15th pissed me off. I see everybody else's uh, main events, and he's going in the 17th, 18th, and 19th. Zero chance he would have made it that far in our draft because I love him. And uh, Doug Moe uh, snipes me a couple picks before I get the chance to obtain yeah. him. But, Bader, Grichik, uh, Jesus Sanchez all in a row. I like all three of those picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah th- that was a that was a, a really interesting outfield run. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I, I mean, I always find like looking at outfielders more fun than looking at the pitchers and, and where you got, where you take your shots and, uh, exactly. And, and cause it's, I think it just, it's hard. F- I, I like to use that as the foundation for a team and, and look at that because there's so much flexibility. You can always find a way to start them somehow. Um, so it is interesting looking at how, how people build on that. It is. It is. Uh, I want to ask you guys what what's going to be like your most critical player. But but first, we got a quick note on uh, from our friends at Vivid Seats. Baseball is back. That's right. An entire glorious season, all 162 games. And with live live events resuming, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. Every backdoor slider, every round tripper, every double header can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Just buy, collect stamps, and redeem. It's that easy. From behind the dugout to up to the upper level, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the games that matter to you. Pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free ticket even faster. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, live life happens live. Thanks to them. Uh, also, quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We record on the Blue Wire Network. Thanks for their uh, hosting us. Uh, hopefully, thank you for indulging their sponsorship. All right, guys, for me, it's an, I, I, I'm going to ask a question like, who's the most critical player? It's an obvious one for me. I got Tatis at, at 11 3. Um, I didn't plan on getting Tatis. He was not like part of the, the plan. I didn't have him in pencil or pen on a spreadsheet, but kept slipping. And we got to come after the first break. I'm like, I'm going to do the damn thing. Uh, I, I didn't really plan on it, but I just, I thought, I thought that how often do you get a chance it could be the number one overall upside? So, Took that chance. Obviously, him coming back in June and hitting for power would be very, very nice for me. But so that that's a pretty big aspect of my team. Plus, it forced me to wait on other middle middle infield options. So, I, uh, although I didn't actually wait that long after that, but you know, it, it there's a cost, obviously. So he's a huge, huge thing for me. How about you guys? Uh, start with Brock. Who's a guy for you that like, you know, he, he's kind of a fulcrum guy for you. Okay, uh, I, I kind of hate that this is like a non-answer in a way, but I have a couple starting pitchers that I took that I think all I need is one of them to really pay off. All I need is health out of one of these guys. And when those guys fit in with the top three guys that I, um, that I took, uh, I'm going to feel really good about my pitching. So Luis Severino, who has not started out the, the uh, preseason um, well, but nonetheless, he's on the mound. Um, so an arm like that in the 11th round, that's one thing. Um, Zach Gallen, who I've never really been a fan of. Um, he's always kind of hurt, but he fell, I think, almost five rounds in ADP from yeah. where he was going. I got him in the 17th. It was like, I don't like him. He's not a target of mine. But if it's in the 17th there and also given I kind of skipped out early on starting pitching, um, I, I think if. Either one of those guys um, come out and um, can put together a, a solid season. It's really going to pair up well with uh, – I, I went earlier with a couple bulk guys, Evaldi and Montas. I expect 180 innings out of those guys. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so those guys and then and Michael uh, Kopech is the third one there. If I get 140 innings out of him, I mean, I just – I took a couple chances on pitching – um, because I went a little harder on hitting early as I typically do. And um, if any of those guys pay off in a big way, then I like my pitching in addition to my hitting. So that's, uh, that's my answer. Maddie. Yeah, I, I could, I could ramble off about 12 players that are going to be the most significant. Yeah. Have the, it, you know, it the kind of is story, a but, tough question. Yeah. It doesn't um, always apply. Clear and concise. It would be Blake Snell being the SP two. I was hoping for one in the fifth, fifth round of the, you know, the Barrios Rogers tier. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. So I had to get uncomfortable and push uh, that SP2, um, which I'd, I would have preferred to already have one. So Blake Snell, my eyes are going to be on him big time. And then way late, uh, how about round 28, Hector Neris, who I have 10 shares of now, um, and I believe 50% of my leagues. Um, if he's able to <laughs> obtain the role, sorry, Brock, if he's able to obtain the role, the contract that they paid him, if you guys look how much they paid him, um, I know that it doesn't matter what he's doing with the minor leaguers, but he's driving buses. He's paying for food. Dusty Baker loves him. The Houston Astros are already clamoring for him. Uh, he has the stuff. He has had the role in the past. Uh, velocity things aren't going good for Presley. And in every single draft, I've had the opportunity 
uh, at least 50% of them I have came away with Hector Neris uh, with the team concept. And if he does get the opportunity, I think that he could take it and run away with it. And if so, him and Classe could be uh, some pretty lethal. Some, somebody on Twitter predicted he would be the Astros closer on opening day like two months ago. And I remember yeah, that. Um, yeah, and that, yeah. And that was uh, in my text messages probably two months prior to that was tweet. That? Uh, it was Rob DiPietro, a good buddy from uh, the yep. East Coast, uh, cool. Deadpool hitter podcast. Um, great follow on Twitter. Great person. Great podcast. Uh, hell, of a gar- hell of a gardener as well. Yes. What's that? Did he know Presley was injured? Because, I mean, Presley's down three miles an hour. Did did he get in a motorcycle accident in, in January when the guys couldn't talk to their, their teams? Quaaludes. I mean, <laughs> really. That would be my guess, too. But, you know, motorcycles, whichever. Um, yeah, so, and you know. Bad, all, and bad eating. We all have our, you know, people that we text with in the off season and during draft season and stuff like that. And, um it was late enough um, in ra- in drafts, and and the, the tidbit that Rob had texted me, I started to look into it more. Started to look into Naris's contract and and how he finished the season, and why are the Astros paying this guy so much money, but they're letting go of other um, players, uh, and they're not paying up for additional stuff. But Naris was like their big prize possession this offseason, and nobody really wanted to you know to talk about it, but Rob did, and I listened. Um, you know, hey, I'm thinking if he doesn't even get the job, maybe he is a really legit leverage guy for the Houston Astros and he can churn out some cheap wins. Um, we saw, you know, um, who was it last year? Paul Seawald was pretty solid in that role and yep. um, a couple other guys like that. So, yeah, shout out to Rob DiPietro, uh, that Deadpool hitter, uh, for hooking me up with that one. And I've, I've stuck with it since, shit, January or February. I've just kept drafting Hector Nair. So maybe it'll come to fruition. Nice. You know, that's, that's a, that's a, a good one. Although I feel for, for Brock on that, that's just wrong. Uh, on on mine, I think, I think, I mean, part of the way I kind of draft is that you want to build a team that's like, you've got a good base, but there's like a number of guys that you just hope like a couple go off. Uh, Cause you know, some are just going to get injured or, or kind of flop. So like, um, yeah, I think like Ray or Rodon definitely have, or I mean, Barrios, like, you know, I think I feel good on that as a core thinking one might do better than expected. One's going to do worse. So I don't see anything quite there. I think it's just guys like Suzuki in the 10th. I mean, that, that, I guess there's a lot of variance expected on him. Like, cause we just don't know what to expect, but um, I think, you know, if Suzuki has the type of year I hope for uh, guys like Cruz, Aaron Ashby, um, even like a 21st rounder in Solzer, if I get 25 saves out of him, all of a sudden it changes a lot um, yep. on the team. Um, if I get, I probably put the, the plus minus on that at 23. Um, actually the minus, I don't think he's gonna get 48 saves. So as long as a couple of those guys kind of hit, I'm feeling really good. And just knowing that, you know, you look at the, that even the, your 11th to 20th rounds and, half the guys probably aren't going to make it to the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, we won't have 30% of our roster at the, at the least, I would say like 30% right. of these players won't be on your roster come September. And that's like at the minimum. Come um, June, you know, so yeah, yeah, it really yeah, makes, exactly. right. So it makes you really think about ceilings versus like worrying too much, especially after 
first 10 rounds worrying too much about like I have Jeff McNeil. What's the floor? Jeff McNeil is like, yeah, he's on. He doesn't make it past April on my team or third fab period. It's like, that's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And many of the the later you get, the floor is the ocean. So, uh, you know, you you just, you know, you don't have, unfortunately that you just churn a little, a little bit there, especially with no IL spots too. Uh, And you're already going to be holding O'Neill Cruz for a couple of weeks as the pirates do stupid things. So now we have to kind of, you know, that that's one less spot for you to have available too. So that's the other thing that's kind of a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got Tatis, I have Cruz. Yeah. The, the yep. key, the key you learn on those is you take, you one. only get one of those and you, you yep. could argue Aaron Ashby maybe is one of those. Um, if he's not starting am I? It, it would really be a bad matchup week for me to put him in. Um. I, I but, think he'll be usable, Rudy, right away. Yeah, uh, when you when you start looking at weeks and some of your tough starters, so like for an example, the, the, I know that it's just the weekend for the week one, but Bueller at Colorado and he's not going to go more than four or five innings because of how they're wanting to ramp up starting pitchers or John right. Grace pitching on the road against Toronto. Well, what if Aaron Ashby's, you know, piggybacking or getting the middle bulk work against the Pirates or, you know, the Cubs on the road or at home? And and that's that's pretty usable. You snipe, I wanted him there. <laughs> I want yeah, that's that. another yeah. one well yeah i want and yeah that's a, that's one where like julio rodriguez was on my radar so that if there's two guys brock sniped it was uh it was uh rodriguez and rogers um but yeah that it felt like i think ashby fell a little bit relative to others yeah. mm-hmm. so it felt like if i wanted him i had to take him there um but go, going back i might i might the the news seems to be pretty good right now in Julio Rodriguez. That 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 might that yeah. might make us all look bad to let James him Anderson took him in the thirteenth last night. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I mean that just, that just tells you, yeah, that 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 might have been a uh, yeah, I might have indulged too much for an SP seven. But Rudy, did you hear about um, the the main event drafter the other uh, night? He drafted Team Eleven, similar to me, but he drafted Chris Bryant in the second round at pick twenty overall, where I got Devers. That, yeah, we were Vlad and I were talking about it, and it's like we at that point, even if he grades out as your top five hitter or whatever, you kind of just got to go with probabilities and know the third round, you know, you still have a 75 plus percent chance or even more to get him, you you know, right? That, I mean, the the whole there's the flip side of YOLO is kind of or like FOMO is like, yeah, what's the first word in that? Is that what you want to be governed by? Um, exactly. And yeah, so so much of like the draft season is like that feeling of like, I like a couple guys here. And I, do, I and like, you don't want to be beholden to that one guy. And yeah, like it, my draft wouldn't have fallen apart without say a Suzuki, even though yeah. that was like a target. But um, yeah, I feel like the more you, you could think like that, it helps because otherwise it's always like, the guys creep up around. You could do it for a couple and especially for certain skills. Like, but man, yeah. When you see the get your guys drafts and just like, just be a little more disciplined. Don't worry. If you were to tell me that I was going to get Corey Seager in the seventh and Brian Reynolds in the eighth, I don't draft Chris Bryant or Brandon Lau in the fourth or fifth. I'm pounding two more pitchers there. I can see that. Or, or maybe, or maybe a speed play. No, I don't or, know yeah, or, 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 yeah, yeah, I would have looked at uh, uh, Jazz potentially, but now the batting lineup thing's kind of, yeah, it's kind of getting in the back of my head there. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you, you just don't know on that stuff. Yeah. Right. And the problem right, is exactly. we, we don't have the gift of foresight. We don't know what the rest of the room is going to do and what they're going to give us. Okay. So, you know, we can't shadow draft this, you know, and cause, and you do one thing, it changes the Jenga pieces, you know, pull, pull out that one and who knows, they may react differently, take your guy anyhow. So you, you don't know for sure that that's the way it's going to happen. So totally. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up. It's We're about an hour here, and I know everybody's got their own days to do, and I've got the show. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I apologize. This isn't, uh, we didn't get to some of the questions today. Typically we will, but uh, I didn't want to use these guys' time on, on that. But uh, you can feel free to tweet at us, uh, at, at underscore Matty Wood underscore, uh, at Brock Monster, uh, at Rudy Gamble, and at Jeff underscore Erickson. We'll be happy to answer your questions that way. Uh, Thanks to everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks.